Alex and Peter. Good morning, my love. Good morning, my love. How'd you sleep last night? I slept really well. Again, went to bed by like 9.30. Um, naturally woke up at 7, 6, 4, 6.57 before my alarm. Got a solid eight hours of quality sleep. Yeah, this whole you getting up early thing, like not staying in bed is really throwing me off because I'm used to having like hour, hour and a half, two, three hours where I just chill and do my own thing. Yeah. And you're really fucking that up for me. I love you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I love you too. It's nice to see you. Um, I guess we get to record this earlier and earlier or spend more time together having coffee. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's nice. It is nice. It's different, but it's nice. It's also different for me to you know, have more energy and to wake up before my alarm goes off. Um, I'm used to waking up around 8.30 and being groggy, but to wake up earlier and feel more clear-headed is a little different. And I kind of attribute it to having a regular movement practice where I'm exerting myself physically more. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm using my body more and because of that, I'm more tired at night and getting better rest. And on my off days where I'm not doing my movement practice, I feel more energized from the day before. Um, like the days I do the movement practice, I'm more physically tired, so I sleep hard. But the following day, I find that I have more energy. So it kind of, it's just circling on itself of generally I just sleep better and have more energy in general in the morning. That's nice. It, it gives me an extra hour or so to my day. Yeah, for sure. Um, I like that you said that you that you're enjoying the result of the movement practice being being more energized on your days off. Yeah, wanting to like move around more and like actually needing to because you're like, oh, my legs hurt. I need to walk. Yeah, and so then that gets you like being more active than you would have been. It's kind of like a snowball rolling downhill situation. Yeah, it actually has affected my life. Like having a regular movement practice. Um, you got up and walked in the snow with me this morning, not because you wanted to, but because you wanted to move around, right? Because my quads were sore. Because your quads were sore. Because yesterday you like blasted your legs at, with, what's her name? At Ooh. the gym. Yeah, at the gym, yeah. Um, but I also find myself, because I know I'll be sore and because I move my body so much, I'm drinking probably a bottle or bottle and a half of more water. So like of my 24 ounce water bottle, I'm having like five or six of them a day yeah, and, you know, eating better just because I want to have more energy so that I'm not as tired after my movement practice. And I'm drinking less in the evening because I want to wake up with more energy to be able to do the movement practice. So overall, I feel like making that one change of having a structured movement practice has motivated me to kind of make small health changes in my life. Um, which kind of leads me to the topic I wanted to ask mm. you about today. I wanted to talk to you about the concept of motivation and mm. like what it means to you. And you can answer that however you'd like. Yeah. I mean, my first reaction was to say that I'm not an expert on motivation. I'm really bad at it. I'm like shittily. I mean, I am motivated, but there, I think that there's a, a distinction to be made between feeling motivated and then acting on motivation. Right. And so I guess starting there, yeah, I feel motivated all the time. You know, my experience with motivation is that I wake up and I'm like, all right, I, I got stuff to do. I want to do stuff. The idea that I, through 
a series of improbable events have come into consciousness. Wow, that's really lucky. I'm very fortunate. Uh, it would be really shitty if I wasted this luck and fortune. So I need to maximize it and use it as much as I can. So during my waking hours, I always want to be doing something for the most part. And if I don't feel like that, it's because I've done so much that my brain or my body or both are depleted and I need to just recover at that point, which is nice in and of itself. Because mm-hmm. I think that that is a fulsome human experience, right? Yeah. You know, the the capacity to exert yourself in, in whatever you deem worthwhile, right? Because a lot of meaning, life's meaning is self-derived. So if you identify something as worth your time, you know, uh, sacrificing your body, sacrificing your mind, sacrificing your emotions for that thing, it's very worthwhile because you've decided that it's important. So it's kind of like whatever gives you a sense of purpose. And I love how we're not just talking about jobs. It's oh, like whatever you value. Not. No, no, no. So like the, the decouple the idea of your life's worth and a job, you know, I guess they can be for, for people who are very, very lucky. They can be the same thing. But in, again, this capitalist society that we all agreed that we were doing, right? Because we had a rational discussion about it. Since we're doing it, most people don't get to work in a field or, or do the kind of work day-to-day that they find fulfilling in every way. Mm-hmm. Every job has some amount of bullshit to it. There's actually a book that I read last year called Bullshit Jobs that talks about this phenomenon of like, you know, which jobs if they, well, it talks about a lot of things. But one of the, the aspects of it is that it talks about how, uh, you know, one way to determine if your job is bullshit is if your job didn't exist, would the world notice? Like, would the world, would society collapse, right? So, like, corporate lawyers. I'm sure corporate law is very important, but, like, in the in the day-to-day workings of, like, what we do as human beings, you know, the average person doesn't know what a corporate lawyer does, and most corporate lawyers don't even find what they do very satisfying or useful, even. But they get paid a lot of money because the people with the disposable income in our society are corporations because they want it capitalism. So what they say is important is important, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like some people would feel a little tinge of cognitive distortion, like, oh, hey, that's internalized capitalism. Know that feeling. Cognitive dissonance? Yeah, this, yeah, this cognitive dissonance, this moment of like, oh, he said something, and, I'm, and I either have never experienced it or disagree with it as a, like a knee-jerk reaction, some sort of negative knee-jerk reaction. That's an, that's an example of internalized capitalism. Yeah. Where someone describes a, 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 an aspect of the system to you, and your immediate response is to jump and defend it. Exactly. And I hate to tell you this, but you've been conditioned. This is an example of it. Anyway, so motivation. Um, yeah, I guess getting back to capitalism, I'm motivated to not be ground down by this system that inherently, as, as like a part of the way the equation is put together, there are a group of people who are exploited, and there are the people who exploit and, you know, you can go from one group to the other depending on power dynamics, right? But I would like to, and I think most people would like to, be as exploited as little as possible. So how do I do that? Oh, I acquire power. What does that mean in a capitalist society? Oh, I acquire disposable resources, money, you know, for the most part. So because I'm forced to do these things or I will be exploited, then yes, I'm motivated to do well in our economy, do well in our society. And so I have that motivation. Um, that's like a very cold, materialist way of looking at it, I think. 
But then also, you know, then I, I talked about kind of like the warm, fuzzy, like I'm a human being. I've only got one shot at this. I need to use it as much as possible. I'm so lucky. It's so improbable that I'm here. So I'm, I'm kind of, you know, feeling the two ends of the extreme. Uh, and then in addition to that, like, I don't know, I guess more conditioning stuff. I love competition too. And I, I like self-betterment. I like to, you know, I've been reading Nietzsche a lot with uh, your brother and another buddy of ours. Like we've, we've been talking about it fairly regularly. And just the idea of the will to power and like the need to become something, the need to develop more is something that I vibe with. And I can see how that idea can be used to evil ends, but I can also see that it's meant to be used to to develop oneself into an ideal person who can who can achieve perfection in society then you gotta say like well okay define perfection you know it's whatever is good right so like and then you gotta define good and so like kind of goes down this rabbit hole and that's and that can be very subjective but like his whole thing Nietzsche's whole thing is like all right in the absence of religion which told us that hey morality is this you don't kill the person next to you because God said so, right? Ten Commandments or whatever, right? A third party is responsible for your morality, right? Well, in a post-God world, when your your reason for morality doesn't exist anymore, how do you, if we agree that kill, like not like in, in whatever context, right? Because everything, you know, depends on what's actually going on at the moment and all the dynamics at play and the system that, that you're working with and ever. But like, if we can agree, like all things considered, I shouldn't be killing another person. How do we develop as human beings ourselves a morality that gets to that if that is indeed a virtue? And it's upon us now to develop ourselves to get to that answer because we don't have it right now, right? And that's the scary thing is like the, the whole focus on self-development is towards this end of creating the right society. Yeah. And I, I, you know, maybe it's because of, you know, uh, like Christian indoctrination, you know, during my early life. But like, I do think that, you know, uh, you know, there is a kind of justice that is an ideal that you go, that you go towards, you know, uh, the, the weak are not, are not subjugated, the, the poor are not exploited, the, everybody has housing, food, you know, that, those types of things. But like, then, you know, without religion, you know, how do we as a people, uh, uh, a secular people, move towards morality for that? And then building, like, that that question is hard. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't know. I like that element of it. I like competition. I wake up and, like, I, you know, I hate to say this is another one of those probably, like, toxic masculinity things. But one of my thing, like, one of the things that I can't help but do is <clears throat> in my meditation practice every day, you know, I do a few things. I do, like, a memento mori, you know, think about my own death and those of... Uh, that I love because, you know, when that comes, I want to be able to meet it with dignity. Um, so that's one thing, you know, I've talked about like just, uh, different aspects of my meditation practice. Uh, but one thing I can't help but do is like, there's, there's a point where I'm going through my body and when I get to my feet now, I, I don't know how this started, but I think about the people that I like, that are like my adversaries or have like done me wrong at points, you know, in different ways. Like sometimes it's sports, sometimes it's social, sometimes it's business, like those, those types of things. And I think about my feet crushing them. Like I just wake up and I think like when I get to my feet, I'm just like, oh, fuck you. You know, like wow. one of those feelings. Yeah. And then I like get it out of my feet and then I'm like, all right, you like, this is like a, a habituation, like a mental habituation of like, you motherfuckers don't have any power over me. Like I step on you. You're not even worth it. So that's a part of your meditation. Yeah, it just like not even consciously, right? But I just found myself like thinking about like this like series of people in my life that just like I fucking hate for whatever reason. And that in itself is a flaw. 
but why not use it? Because then, like, when I get out of meditation, I'm like, all right, now I need to go do something that, like, takes my life a step forward because my revenge is making my life as good as possible to basically say, oh, yeah, look at me. I don't even have to say anything to you for you to know. From me to you, fuck you. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, that's another thing that I like, uh, you know, about just, like, motivation, pulling it from anywhere. Can I ask you a question then? Yeah. You kind of implied this earlier, but how, are there any strategies you've developed over time to help you bridge the gap between um, the feeling and the, the action, feeling and the action, the thinking and the doing? Yeah, I'm glad that you followed up on that because when it comes to acting, it's it, I, I found myself wanting to, or what what's most been most effective for me has been setting up plans and automating things and setting your mind because like ADHD right like you it's hard to just hold everything in your head so figuring out a system to get everything out of my head and scheduled in some way prioritized and scheduled in some way and then removing as much of the thought like using that to remove as much of the thought as possible so that when I sit down and I'm going to work on a project I'm not thinking what project am I working on how am I using my time right now it's like oh that's the next thing on the priority list. I'm now picking that up, opening that up, and then for the next however long, I'm working only on that because I've already blocked out that time. So in the long term, being really intentional about setting goals and setting systems in place that help me reach those goals, but then in the immediate moment, having no thought almost, just almost going on autopilot. So like having a, a, a routine and sticking to it and then having habits for work and employing them. like. When I, when I'm really in deep work, like yesterday, you weren't even home. There was no one in the house and I had probably little reason to do this other than just my habit, but I threw on my uh, cordless headphones and I threw on white noise, uh, on my phone so that I could walk around the house with it. And, uh, I just sat and I was like, all right, for the next two hours, I'm only doing this thing that I'm working on. And I sat there and for two hours, I only did that thing. And when I took my headphones off. The silence of the house was fucking loud. And I, like, needed to, like... Because I just done, a, like, a good session of deep work and gotten a ton of stuff done. And so after that, I had to stand up. It was like a, like an explosion went off. Like a, like somebody lit a firecracker and threw it off in the room. And, like, afterwards, you know, you're, like, you're kind of dazed. Like, I walked out of my bedroom. Or, the, the, or not my bedroom. the Out of my office. And was just sort of, like, kind of, like, shook. And needed to go just, like got some water and then I went and I'd like did a little like 10 minute run in place where I like sprinted as much as I could just to kind of like give a physical, I don't know, counterbalance to the mental work that I just did. Um, and so, yeah, so I guess that's an example of like, uh, without getting into too much detail about telling you like what I worked on, how I scheduled it out, that whole sort of thing. That's an example of how I employ the system is like, you know, okay. when the workday starts, that's kind of what happens. Okay. So you have routines, you have... Mm -hmm. Systems that track your projects so mm -hmm. that takes the thought out and of it. And schedule them, and then prioritize you use them. Your yep. calendar to schedule. And I, I use it. So I use a project management system to get all of my ideas down, and I let them sit there. And I've recently I've been letting them sit there for at least uh, twenty four hours just to see like is this actually something you want to act on, or is this just a good idea that you thought needed to be taken down, and then prioritizing it appropriately. And I've got certain things I just do every day, like work out and like, you know, certain other things um, that are just on a daily to-do list. But like projects that are not, that, that are of uh, a unique variety and not habitual or regular, they get their own cards. 
and uh, they get scheduled onto my Google Calendar outside of my working hours because I've got, you know, like with consulting, I've got client work from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. that I'm like, I just, I nothing personal unless it's absolutely necessary happens between those hours. Uh, and yeah, I try to just like cut everything out. But then after that, my personal stuff gets scheduled on weekends and on the evenings, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when I need, like when absolutely necessary during the week, during like banker's hours. But yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's kind of how it's structured. And then I kind of just go off the calendar. Like if I'm, if I'm good about sizing the tasks, prioritizing them and scheduling them, then when the scheduling comes, it should be pretty easy for me to do it. And I've, I've realized when I overschedule or underschedule myself. So that's a big thing is like getting the experience. Cause you're going to screw it up a few times. Like you're going to say like, well, I think this is going to take an hour. I think this will take two hours. Da, da, da. Try it. See if you're right. Make sure that you measure it. Cause I'll, uh, you know, or else how do you know? And so through time, like I've gotten my, my prioritization and sizing skills down really well and can be really efficient and realistic about how I'm using my time. And it also, I find, makes my social life more vibrant too, because I, you know, I think, oh yeah, I haven't seen that person in a while. So then I'll text them, hey, what are you doing? Oh, you're free this weekend at, you know, 2 p.m.? Cool, like let's put it on the calendar so we actually hang out, that kind of thing. Um, So I, I mean, I still give myself permission to reschedule when I need to, but I'm also, again, being more realistic about who I actually am. Am I going to have energy at that time? Should, am I just like scheduling something because I've, you know, got like, got a feeling of like, I like that person. I haven't seen them for a while. Right. Which is a good feeling to have, but is it realistic to like schedule, you know, six coffees over the weekend to like catch up with people? No. Do I want to? Yeah. But have I tried to do stuff like that in the past and like fucked up and like not gotten what I wanted out of it? Yeah. And so, again, it's about, like, getting reps in and figuring out what works for you for, like, what you actually want out of life and then setting up the structure to do it and then letting the structure just pull you through at that point. Gotcha. Yeah. So, okay, I rambled a whole bunch. How about you? What what about you? Motivation. Is your motivation tied to coffee? More coffee, please. Okay. Okay, so how I think about motivation is I kind of conceptualize it as like those who are more intrinsically motivated and those who are more extrinsically motivated. And I don't view it as like a black and white either or. I view it as like a continuum, Mm -hmm. kind of like introversion and extroversion is kind of a continuum. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what you were describing to me sounds like more intrinsic motivation. Like, you're kind of self-propelled to do things for your own betterment and that serve you. Well, hey, society propels me, too, because they're like, hey, if you don't do this, you're going to be homeless and Right, but no one's, like, pressuring. Like, you're, you, you kind of work for yourself now, and, like, you've created systems and softwares in place and calendars that keep you on track, but the motivation to do is coming from within you. And, like... Yeah. And that's kind of like how you describe that feeling of like waking up in the morning and being like, I'm alive and so I will do. Or like you meditate and then you feel motivated to do. I do not have that inside, like very much. Um, I'm a lot more extrinsically motivated. And so... Oh, that's why you do so well with coaching. I do really well with coaching. So I will say like growing up and through like let's call it college... I was really extrinsically motivated by the structure of school and like, you know, I wanted to do well and 
And so I, I had that ex- extrinsic motivation to like get my assignments done and all of those mm-hmm. things and like try to do well on my papers. And that's how I structured my life was around school. But once I finished college, it was working and I worked in the restaurant industry for seven years and I was really extrinsically motivated by my loyalty to my job. And like I had a deep desire to do well and show up to work and I rarely ever missed work, save a mental health day, um, because I wanted to do my best for my employers and on behalf of the, the restaurant I worked at. And it gave me a lot of drive and purpose and motivation, um, especially when I was the general manager. Mm-hmm. And so, like, work structured me. And then once I finished working in the restaurant industry... Well, for- also, I want to point out, uh, in the restaurant in- industry, you also worked for, like, a family-owned mom-and-pop thing. Mm-hmm. And you had really close personal relationships exactly. with Exactly. I wanted to well. do right by them. Right. Like, and, but did they also have that same feeling towards you? I don't know. Did they act on it? Not really. At times. At times. I mean, I was treated probably really well. And one of actually, one of the line cooks called it out. Um, I'll never forget him saying this. He was like, no one gets like treated well or paid appropriately except for you, Liz. And. Well, that's management. That's management. Yeah. But um, I, but. Keep that whip crack and keep that money coming in. I did work hard, and it is a lot of work to manage a a huge team of people. But they were really doing the the hardest work, the grunt work, like the the work that takes a lot of resilience and perseverance. And I don't know if they were getting paid accordingly for it, you know, appropriately. No. But anyways, so then after I finished working, grad school was like the center of my life and like how I structured my life. And that was, I was motivated to do really well because it was, you know, in marriage and family therapy, like the career path I'd wanted to do my whole life. And so that's where my extrinsic motivation came from was to like succeed and do well and, um, you know, keep getting A's and all of those things and have that 4.0. And then when I graduated, I took like four weeks off or six weeks off of school or six weeks off between graduating grad school and starting my career. And I kind of fell into a pit. Like I was staying in bed all day. I mm-hmm. was, I didn't have any purpose or drive. There was nothing external yeah, asking it, you to do anything. It felt like depression, but I knew it wasn't like my therapist wasn't worried about me. My site, my nurse practitioner wasn't worried about me. Everyone basically said, you've been going, going, going for two and a half years. Like you just, you need a break. Your body needed to adjust to not mm-hmm. having to go so hard and do so much. Mm-hmm. But, like, not having anything to do led me to not a good place. The, the same thing happens to people who perform at a high level in other ways, too. Like, high-level athletes. Mm-hmm. Like, Olympians. Like, after the Olympics are over, some people just fucking crash. Because they're like, oh, man, like, I don't have that thing that I'm working towards. Or, like, you know, uh, NBA or NFL, like, that kind of thing. Um, and then you see guys come back or like, even if they don't win stuff, they come back and they're like really out of shape, like yeah. really overweight or yeah. nothing. But, you lose your purpose and right. focus. Yep. And so when I started my career, that gave me, I love, okay, because I'm extrinsically motivated, but I work for myself as a, like my own small business as a therapist, mm-hmm. I'm so grateful because my clients are my extrinsic motivation. Yeah. 
Like, I have to do my administrative stuff in the morning to respond to my clients, to prep for my sessions, and that is very motivating to me to do a good job when I'm in session, Mm -hmm. and I have... I have to show up to work because my clients are counting on me. Well, also what you do is so personal and it impacts people on such a, a deep, direct level, you know, that, yeah. that in itself, it's like you, you, you have a motivation to those people to help them improve their lives because they're looking to you for life improvement. Exactly. Like it's a big responsibility. Yeah. And so in three, three and a half years of practicing therapy, um, I've canceled on two clients because I wasn't feeling well. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I I just show up because I feel like I have to. Oh, you have to, yeah. And I'm really motivated to show up to do right by my clients. And so I kind of structure my life that way, and that's where I get my motivation. But also, I find myself... Um, I'm very motivated, like you said, by routines and rituals and habits yeah like I have to have habits in place and routines in place to have a reason to want to get out of bed and that's even extended to your environment like you need to be in a regular static to your specifications in like aesthetics and functionality environment or else you are thrown the fuck off yeah like even when we were on vacation you were like oh i'm just not in my space so i can't like enjoy stuff right now and it's like we're in fucking paradise i understand that you need some transition time but like get over it yeah it took me like two days to adjust but i will say the rituals that we've created like as a couple i call them rituals of connection are a deep motivating factor for me like I'm motivated to get out of bed because I look forward every morning to having coffee with you and recording this podcast. And it literally is the first thing I think about when I wake up in the morning is like, I got to get up so I can have coffee with Peter. And that's a motivating factor. And then I have the structure of like, okay, I have to, I have to work and do stuff for work and I have to see my clients. And that's a motivating factor. Certain days of the week you have to go to personal training. I do the, the, the my movement practice and that's a motivating factor. And then at the end of the day, I'm really motivated to, you know, come home and very, we have another ritual of very intentionally decompressing from our days together. Yeah. Just like reviewing our days with each we other. We tell each other in yeah. great detail excuse me, we tell each other in great detail about how our days went and like any thoughts or feelings that we had or any interesting experiences we had that day. And that's like a huge motivator for me to like look forward to coming home and spending time with you. Mm -hmm. And I always kind of say, I I feel like I bookend my days with you. I start my day with coffee with you and I end my day with a glass of wine and reviewing my day with you. And like that gives me a reason to look forward to the weekday. Mm -hmm. Um, because we have that structure in place and I will say that, um, because life got busier when I started my business and like seeing clients and having the movement practice and like, you know, having a point doctor's appointments and all those things, Mm -hmm. I find myself heavily relying on my calendar the way you, you rely on Google calendar to like structure your life. And so I also very intentionally structure my social life and make plans strategically. Like I know I like to do things on Friday nights, but then I give myself Saturday morning to myself to like sleep in or recover. And then like sometimes if I schedule something Saturday night, I make sure not to schedule anything for Sunday so that I can decompress and recover for the week. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I'm I, also mindful of like, who haven't I seen lately? Let me make plans with them in advance. Like ideally two to three weeks in advance 
we have something on the calendar. Right. And so that's a motivating factor for me to, like, when I don't schedule things or, like, make social plans, it's very, I lose that extrinsic motivation on the weekends, and I'm more inclined to, like, watch Netflix. Yeah, like, watch Netflix for, like, eight hours or 12 hours or, like, sleep all day or... But that does make you an expert on shitty reality television. It, as we talked about, my dumb bitch juice. Um, but I find that I get more meaning and fulfillment and purpose out of my weekends when I structure a little bit of like social time. I schedule a little bit of social time, and I also schedule time to myself to just decompress and be alone. And schedule time with you, of course. Mm-hmm. And so I basically find I have a... like. I get so much from the extrinsic motivation of like people expecting me to show up in places, whether it's social or work and, or the gym. And like, I just know that about myself and that is, that's how I keep myself going. Mm -hmm. And actually one time just recently I had a client who has a very flexible work schedule. Like she only has to work two to three days a week Mm -hmm. on call kind of a thing. And she, found herself kind of in a lull, like not feeling great, not feeling motivated, just kind of like a lot of free time and not knowing what to do with it. And she was like, I should be happy. I have all this time to myself, but I don't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. And I kind after a few weeks of working together, I, I actually said to her, hey, have you considered actually adding hours and working a couple more days a week? And she took that to heart and started working like four days a week. Mm-hmm. And her mood improved and she felt more motivated to utilize her time off more effectively Mm -hmm. and having that additional structure of more work days, like she got more socializing at work and like, you know, interacting with people and a sense of purpose. And Mm -hmm. even though it's work, it like gave her more of a structure to her week. Well, and she's making more money too. So like that makes her like financial life easier. Well, she was already financially stable working two to three days a week. Uh So adding the additional one to two days was literally just for her mental health. And it gave her motivation, more motivation in, in life in general to have that structure in place. And so like, that's just another example of like, kind of like, no, like sometimes we need more structure, I think Mm -hmm. to be motivated to utilize the time we have off well. Oh yeah, like people, people. So I've I've have a handful of friends who did the military, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, some of them will say, well, actually, all of them, I think, for the most part, have said like it's really shitty at first, but then you come to love the routine because yeah. then you just don't even. Someone just tells you what to do. Yeah. Like, or or you're doing the exact same thing that you did the day before. Yeah. And the there's almost like a comfort in that. Yeah. And then when you get out into the world and there's no one telling you what to do or there's no like routine that's already set for you, right? Then people can like fall into some bad shit because of that. Uh, and so, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is like I'll, I echo what you just described because I've seen it firsthand in people who went from a highly structured environment to a completely unstructured one. And the ones who made it back into either like a high, like they, like they have a job, like they're uh, like being a cop, right? You just, you have the same fucking schedule every day. You wear the same shit every day. You patrol the same places every day. For the most part, if you're just like a, a beat cop, you know, um, or so I, so I hear, um, but then like, you know, or government job, I've seen people in the military do well with government jobs because it's the same sort of stuff. It's just a lot of procedural stuff, a lot of management, a yeah. lot of people telling you what to do. 
Um, or they just work insane amount of hours. Because I have a buddy who works at a liquor store who used to be uh, in the army. And he did like years and years in Afghanistan doing some hard shit. And came back. And like thankfully he came back and he you know only has minimal amount of issues. Um, like physically and, and whatnot. Um, but he just works like 60, 70, 80 hours a week at a liquor store. But he's just happy doing that because he's just like, he knows what he's doing. He's just always at the liquor store, just always working. So, and like, yeah. I feel like it, whether it's work or whatever just gives you purpose mm-hmm. is important. Yeah. And, like, just having rituals is good for mental health. Um, I have a client who, I have a couple clients who retired and they found that they're, while they were looking forward to retirement, their mental health was better when they were working mm. because they had structure and routine and knew what mm-hmm. was expected of them and felt competency yeah. in what they were doing. And in this retirement phase that they had so been looking forward to, they were floundering because they didn't know what to do with themselves. And I deeply encouraged them, like their homework, was to create a retirement routine. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like maybe every morning I, you know, have coffee and then I go for a walk around the block and mm-hmm. then I do this and yep. then I do this. And it doesn't, I tell them it doesn't have to be overly rigid, but we also don't want it to be so flexible that we can't trust ourselves that we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. We want it to be adaptable and flexible and like, but it, it still needs to be a ritual and a routine that can keep us grounded and protect our mental health and physical health and well-being. Yeah. And, and you know, if they're extrinsically motivated, they can, uh, you know, look into any of the old people clubs that are going on. Like, you, yep. know, you just see, like, people who meet up at, like, McDonald's who just have coffee. Like, so, some of those people, it's, like, every weekday. Yeah. They're there. They're just always it's at McDonald's the routine. having it's the ritual. coffee. Just chewing the fat with other octogenarians. Yep. And so I feel like sometimes human beings need a measure of structure to find peace and freedom and um speak just to end like this kind of conversation on motivation i feel like we're talking about big things like Mm -hmm. things to do but i i'm i was also wanting to just address motivation to do small tasks like load the dishwasher fold the laundry or pick up a the living room or you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like I feel like a lot of times pe- some people struggle to be motivated to do those little day-to-day oh, yeah, adulting not, yeah, tasks. Just, yeah, it's just work. But one thing that you taught me, Peter, that has changed the way I relate to day-to-day menial tasks is you told me if it takes less than five minutes, just do it. Mm-hmm. And that has helped me fill little holes in my day if I find myself with an extra 20, 30 minutes. It's like... I'm going to, you know, take out the bathroom trash or I have, an extra, I'm, I have an extra hour and I've um, timed myself like you recommended and I know it takes me 20 minutes to fold and put away the laundry. So if I have an extra 30 minutes, I'm just going to do the laundry. If I see a couple dishes in the sink and it takes less than five minutes, I'm just going to mm. put them in the dishwasher. Yeah. If I have an extra 15 minutes, I'm just going to unload the dishwasher and load it back up. Like... So thinking about it like as a from a time perspective, mm-hmm. I'm like I I get my the menial like day to day tasks done during the week typically, when I have small holes in my schedule. I love that you pointed out that you've taken the time to uh, make a note of how long it takes you to do each thing. Yeah, because it gets back to what I was talking about. Like if you don't know how to size a task, it makes getting tasks scheduled and completed much less likely. 
Yeah. And so, yeah, so, like, just doing that little bit of, like, oh, I'm about to fold the laundry. What time is it? Oh, it's 8.10. And then you finish folding the laundry, and you're like, oh, yeah, what time is it? Oh, yeah, look, it's, or, or you have a stopwatch going, and you just turn it off. And then you just know, and you do that a few times, and you say, oh, yeah, it's going to take me between X and X. Yeah. Depending on the size of the load, et cetera, et cetera. It makes me less likely to put it off mm-hmm. if I have time, because I'm like, I, I don't know how long it'll take, so it's right. like, I don't know if I have time to do it. Removing that fear of the unknown. Exactly. Mm-hmm. If I have an extra 30 minutes, I know I have time to do the laundry. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's a little motivator for me, like, you teaching me that five-minute rule or, like, timing my tasks. Um, I will say that one of the things that we haven't talked about that is a like related motivation is my deep and unending love for you and aww. the way that I want to make our lives better so that we can enjoy more of it together. Yeah. And, uh, and that is like a big, you know, like sometimes when it's, it's shittiest, when I'm just like really eating shit that day, I'm like, you know what? I'm really eating shit right now so that Liz and I can live in a house or go to Spain and France or, uh, you know, buy some kind of investment so that we can work less in the future or, you know, insert thing that will improve our life or, you know, say I'm doing a home improvement project and I'm just like fucking tired, sweat and just like trying to drill a thing or like screw a thing into a deal or whatnot, sawing something, just like really sawing my cock off and, uh, have the same sort of feeling. I'm like, this is my house with Liz. I love her. I'm going to do this now. Babe, I will say my love for you is also a deep motivator for me. Like, I literally want to show up as the best version of myself to be the best version, like, best version of a partner to you because I think you deserve that. And it motivates me to be a better person, to do things around the house that'll make your life easier so that you don't have to do them. Um... I think we just, in a healthy way, like, push each other to be, to grow and be the best versions of ourselves so that we're showing up better for each other. Mm -hmm. And I love that. We have that, you know? I do. I do know that because I also love that as well. Yay. Drink henna now, Tahiti, Tahiti's beer. Make every time a henna now time. Drink responsibly.